Uh, good morning, everyone. Morning. Great to see you all, as, as Charlie said at the beginning. My name's Andy. I'm the other minister here. And I want to spend a few minutes uh, thinking together. Uh, the American TV series Friends, uh, one of the most popular TV series of all time. Episode one first aired in September 1994. Before some of you were born, I know, makes me feel old, that does. Uh, and the 236th episode aired 10 years later in 2004. Uh, apparently, uh, in America, when it was first aired, over 50 million people watched it live. Uh, goodness knows how many times it's been watched since on CD, YouTube, whatever. Uh, for those of you who don't know the series, the series followed uh, the loves, the interactions of a group of six friends in their 20s and 30s who lived in, in Manhattan. Uh, And I wonder what it was that made the adventures of Monica and Rachel and Phoebe and Ross and Chandler and Joey, I wonder what it was that touched a nerve with, with so many people. It was a great TV show. It was well made. It was well produced. It was, it was a good, it was good TV. But there's something more than that. Uh, and ultimately, my guess is that Friends touches that deep longing that we all have for friendship. For our hunger to be with people who enjoy us and whom we enjoy. To have folks to share our lives with, our highs and our lows, our adventures, our struggles. To have people who are simply there for us, who have our backs. We want to be, and we want to have friends, don't we? All of us, deep, deep in our being, as you were, we, we long for, for friendship. So now we're in Advent. Uh, Christmas is four weeks, in four weeks' time. And our Advent com adventure, really, as a community, is beginning this morning, uh, as we, as we journey to that moment on, on Christmas morning when we gaze in wonder at the baby lied in a manger. And as, as Charlie's already said, over the next three or four weeks, we're going to be reflecting together on, on this simple question. Mine's not working either. There we, oops, there we go. Who is this Jesus? When we gaze in wonder at that baby, who is it that gazes back at us with a smiling face? Who is it that looks up into our eyes? Three weeks is nowhere near enough time to even begin uh, to do that justice. And we're, as, as we go through, we're, we're drawing on a book uh, by a lady called Diana Butler Bass called Freeing Jesus. Rediscovering Jesus as friend, teacher, saviour, lord, way and presence. Six themes, uh, three weeks. I don't know how many of them we're going to do. We're going to do one this morning. Uh, Charlie's next week, one or two maybe. We'll see how we go. Uh, uh, but we'll pick up three or four of these themes. 
And our prayer is that as we do that, we'll, we'll in some sense be drawn closer to the one whose birth we're going to be celebrating in a few short weeks' time. So let us begin with the thought, the theme, Jesus as friend. Jesus as our friend, as my friend, as, as your friend, as our friend, as a, as a community. Uh, I guess the idea of Jesus as friends, I've got, I've got, I've got a friend uh, who talks about Christians and their invisible friend, in inverted commas. Uh, slightly mocking, really, to be honest. Uh, as if we're somehow unable to cope with the rigors of life. And so we've invented this invisible friend, a bit like children do, uh, to help us cope. Uh, and I guess for others, that, that image sounds a bit, maybe a bit anodyne. Uh, gods are not meant to be our friends. We want gods who are big and strong and mighty, all-powerful and all-conquering we want a conquering hero. And yet Jesus says to us, I have called you friends. You are my friends. If you were to go into the, some of you, I know have got grandchildren, some of you have got young children still. If you go into the children's section of, of, of Seven Oaks Bookshop or, or the library, if you look at the books that are there, they are full of books about friends, about friendship, about finding a friend, about being a friend, about welcoming others into friendship, about befriending outsiders, and about the adventures that groups of friends get into as they help each other along the way. Children's literature is a world of friendship. One populated by boys and girls of all ethnicities, all races, along with animals and pets of every kind. Mouse, badger, and bear. Uh, friends, best friends forever. And Diana Butler Bass, the person who organized the series, says this. It says, if the books we read to children are any indication, friendship may well be the first virtue we teach and the highest value for which we wish them to strive. I never thought about that before, but I think that's true, isn't it? Actually, friendship from an early age, we want our children to have friends. We want them to, we want them to have good friends. Uh, we want them to learn to grow in the skills of friendship. Uh, it is as if that longing for friendship, that friendship that brings life to color, as it were, is somehow written into our DNA. That longing for friends. And one way of reading the Bible is to understand it as a story of friendship. About God's desire to live in relationship with us. To be known. To be loved. And to know and to love. And I'm, I'm sure many of you have seen this image before. Uh, it's uh, 
an icon, a Russian icon, uh, painted by an icon iconographer, I can never say that word, called Andrei Rublev. It's a picture of, of the Holy Trinity, of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, you don't Google it when you get home and have a look at the picture, and there's various commentaries around it. You can't see so well on screen, but the ways the eyes kind of look to each other. Uh, there's, there's so much I could say about this picture. Uh, but this morning, I just wanted to, wanted to note one thing, really, and that is there's a space in the front of the picture. It's almost as if we're being invited to step in to the picture so that we can participate in the, in the relationship, in the friendship, in the love that is there in front of us. The invitation is, well, come and be part of this. Come and participate in the friendship of God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And there's a way in which this picture actually summarizes the whole of the Bible story, which is that invitation to come and to share fellowship with God. To come to know God, to love God, and to be known and to be loved by God. We believe that God is love, don't we? We say that God is love. Uh, and if he is love, then there has to be one who is loved. There has to be a beloved, if you like, for love has to give itself to another. And the very nature of love is to reach out. Love is not love unless it is expressed. And so in the beginning, God creates humanity, humankind, that they might be included in this circle of friendship. That's God's intention all along, that we might be included as friends, as those who are loved and in Genesis 2, you get that one. Remember that wonderful picture of God walking in the garden with Adam and Eve? Uh, in a sense, in that this kind of mutual enjoyment of trust, of friendship. There's no shame, the text tells us that, just kindred souls, playmates, workmates, friends, man and woman. And God. Incidentally, my favorite uh, definition of friendship comes from, from another theologian who wrote simply this. A friend is someone fun to play with and someone you can trust. Amen to that? The problem perhaps is that most of us have forgotten how to play and find it difficult to trust. I was away for a couple of nights uh, the other week uh, at a conference, a uh, Christian conference with some, with some fellow, from fellow uh, Christian leaders and Christian ministers. And on the second evening, we spent the evening chilling. Uh, it involved wine, whiskey, snacks, and lots of laughter among friends. Uh, and I have no doubt that God was in our midst. 
And there was something of God caught up in that sharing of friends who were rediscovering just the joy of being together. Maybe I need to rewrite that statement. A friend is someone to drink wine with and someone you can share the laughter of genuine affection with. Well, there's this definition. A friend is someone to talk to, someone to depend on, and someone to enjoy. Sounds a bit like Jesus, doesn't it? But others as well. Others as well. I don't want to just spiritualize this too much. And as the Bible story takes shape, Abraham, the father of faith really, Moses, the liberator of God's people, are both described as friends of God, as God's friends. Uh, And as you read through the Old Testament, all sorts of characters are kind of, even if they're not called God's friends, they're portrayed as friends of God. Miriam, the prophets, the seers of ancient times, the great heroes of Israel's faith, Ruth and Naomi, David and Jonathan, they're not just servants of God. They're not just people who are doing what they are told. God was their friend, their companion, their helpmate. And that trajectory, if you like, reaches its fulfillment in that passage that Rick has just read to us, and that's probably too small for you to read, but my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love than no one has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's voice. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. That's what friends do, isn't it? They share together. They communicate together. They share hearts together. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you may go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. So much I could say about that passage. So, so much. But just a couple of points. Firstly, to remind us that friendship with God begins with God's initiative. Jesus is my mate is not something that I can presume upon. Maybe it doesn't happen to you, but you know what, you're in, you're in a pub in an evening and somebody who's had a bit too much to drink kind of comes up and sort of puts his arm around you and you've never known this person before and you're reading the reaction, just get away from me. Uh, that's not how we approach God. Friendship begins with God, with God's choice, with God's initiative. It's a gift that we are given. Jesus reaches out to us, holding out his hand towards us in fellowship, waiting for us to respond. His hand, waiting to include us in the picture, in that embrace of God. 
It begins with God's initiative. It's not something we presume, it's a gift that we are given. Of course, there's more in that passage. In the yellow, in verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. That sounds a bit conditional, doesn't it? As if Christ's friendship is solely dependent upon us doing what we need to do, about us meeting some standard, uh, as if it's somehow dependent upon our goodness and our, our obedience. You can be my friends if you do what I say. Uh, I have to say that if my relationship with Christ is dependent upon my goodness and obedience, then I'm in deep trouble. And without wishing to be presumptuous, I guess so are you. Yeah? But my friendship with God doesn't work like that. It's Jesus who takes the initiative. It's Jesus who reaches out to us. Despite our sin, our mess, our brokenness, our hurt, our pain, our inability to get it right. Um, Let's dig a little bit deeper. What is Jesus' command? What is Jesus' command? Love one another, love. Love God, love other people. It's all about love, isn't it? And friendship and love belong together. They feed off each other. As Charlie said earlier, they multiply each other. You spread the light, you you split the light, and you have twice as much light. Friendship, love is, is somehow like that. As, uh, as you give yourself to others, somehow your heart is, is made bigger, isn't it? I guess we all know that experience. Someone once said that friendship is love acted out. Friendship is rooted in love. I think that's what, what Jesus is kind of saying here. While at the same time, friendship somehow increases our capacity to love. Parents, when they have go from child number one to child number two, they don't suddenly love each child about half as much as they did. And you add in number three and number four. <laughs> I've got four kids. Uh, but the heart expands, doesn't it? To include... Those who need to be loved. And of course, Jesus is the supreme example of love enacted. And so in verse 13, greater love has no one than this. Today, to lay down one's life for one's friends. What do we think of when we hear those words? The cross, anything else? Remembrance Sunday, thank you, yeah. Those are often the two things that come into mind first. Uh, We tend to think about, yeah, those two things. One, Jesus' death, his sacrifice for us. And as Rick helpfully reminded us, this this passage is, is told, is spoken to the disciples as Jesus is on his way to Gethsemane to betrayal. And ultimately to death. He's preparing them 
in a sense, to help them understand what is, what is happening. And of course, the sacrificial death of soldiers during war, giving up their lives for their, for their nation, for their community. But as we're in Advent and not Easter now, it's maybe worth noting that the whole of the Christmas, or the whole of the Christmas story is about Jesus laying down his life. Some of you recognize these words from Philippians. Paul wrote them. Uh, talks about how Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, being taken, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. Jesus emptied himself at Christmas. He lay down his equality with God. He laid aside his majesty, we sometimes sing, and his home in heaven for the squalor of an empty stable that he might offer us the gift of friendship. In some ways, that's what Christmas is about. God coming to live among us that he may offer us the gift of friendship. Friendship always involves a laying down. It requires an open-heartedness, a commitment to the other, a giving of myself. That was true for Jesus and that's true for us in the friendships in which we are a part. Friendship also requires another kind of laying down. It requires that we lay down who we are and become open to change, to growth, to becoming more Christ-like. Paul talks about laying aside the sin that clings so closely and embracing Christ. To say yes to Jesus, to, to grab that hand that is offered in friendship. It's transformational. It will change you. Being near to the one who is the source of life and who is the source of love. Being drawn into his embrace will change you. Friend, friendship changes us, doesn't it? Love changes us. The experience of being loved changes us. It opens us up to the other. Jesus opens our hearts to, to genuine love, to the capacity to forgive to act justly in the world. Jesus befriends us so that we can befriend others. Not simply do stuff for others, but to befriend others, and there's a difference, isn't there? Loving our neighbor doesn't simply mean being nice to them. It means getting to know them. Sharing our heart with them, listening to their heart, walking together, allowing them to serve us. Why do we find that so hard? Why do we find it so hard to let other people serve us? Why do we deprive others of that joy? One of the greatest gifts you can give someone else is to allow them to serve you.
That's what friends do. Why are we so flipping independent? True friendship involves giving and, and receiving. And actually, incidentally, and I've not got time to unpack this thought, and I guess I'm still unpacking it myself, but one of, the, one of the things I've been working through this week or thinking about is if the friendship that Jesus offers us is truly mutual, if it involves a genuine love and openness, if it is transformational, then is Jesus somehow changed by his friendship with us? Does our friendship with Jesus bring him joy, maybe? Is Jesus changed as he relates to us in love? Some of you to chat about over lunch today. Anyone bought roast dinner for this church? You can live in hope, can't you? But something for you to chat about maybe over, over lunch today. Is, is Jesus changed in the friendship we share with him? But the time's gone. Just, just quickly to, to close, uh, it was with a strong sense of, I guess, wonder and perpetual amazement that I can say Jesus is my friend. And no, he's not invisible. His is the face that greets me when I look in the manger. His is the face that is gazing out at me now as I look at my friends here, as I look at you lot. I see his face in the face of the needy ones who need my help, but also have stuff to give to me. I see his face in the friends who offer me words of encouragement. In the friendships that we enjoy and that are life-giving to us, we enjoy in some mysterious way friendship with Jesus. He works through those friendships. He is known through those friendships. Jesus' friendship to us is always was often mediated through others. I was reminded of this in a, in a Facebook message I received this week. Uh, I posted a link on our Facebook page about Noah's baptism last, last Sunday. Uh, and uh, I, got a, I got a message from Deborah, who was one of my tutors when I was at Spurgeon's College, uh, and who subsequently been a good friend to us. Uh, uh, and she... Uh, Noah spoke briefly about the, the difficult time he had with his health in the first few months of his life and how tough that was. And, and Deborah said, wonderful to watch Noah's baptism. I remember those early months as we joined you in praying for Noah. And I was reminded of that community of friends, friends of Jesus who gathered around us and wrapped us up in prayer when we weren't quite sure of what was going to happen next. Jesus says, you are my friends. He looks around this room into each of our faces this morning and says, you are my friends. But that friendship is somehow mediated through others. And conversely, that friendship that we give to others becomes the means by which they experience the friendship of Jesus. As we journey through this Advent adventure, just try one little exercise for me, would you? When you approach God in prayer, imagine that your very best friend is in front of you. And speak to God as you would speak 
to a friend, you may do this already. As someone said, if you treat God like your best friend, you will eventually come to know the God whom Jesus and Abraham knew as friend. Jesus is your friend. Give that a go and see what happens as part of your prep for Christmas. Let's just be quiet for a moment and then we're going to sing. Let's be quiet. Father God, thank you for the gift of friendship. Thank you for the gift of friendship with you. And for the friendship with others. And the way we so often experience your touch through the friendship of others. Lord, as we move towards Christmas, as we celebrate your coming among us to draw us into friendship with you, uh, Lord, pray that we, that sense that you are friend would grow in our hearts and in our minds and our lives. And that in knowing that you are our friend, all of our friendships might be transformed. Amen.